With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Warriors Off Court. I'm Ron Krejcik, staff writer at The Chronicle, filling in for Connor Letourneau, our beat writer. Today I'll be joined by Bruce Jenkins, a Chronicle columnist, and we'll discuss Al Adels and his impending induction into the Hall of Fame, also reflecting a bit on Adels' impact on the Warriors, and turning to Steve Kerr and the challenges facing him again this season. And we'll talk about all that right after this. Welcome back to this week's edition of Warriors Off Court. This is Ron Krejcik filling in for beat writer Connor Letourneau, who is soon to return from his sabbatical. And I'm here with Chronicle Sports columnist Bruce Jenkins. Bruce, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And today we're going to talk about Al Adels and his impending induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame and use that as sort of a launching point to talk about all matters Hall of Fame and eventually include uh, a discussion of Steve Kerr and the coaching challenges ahead for him. Uh, Bruce, I know you've written a lot about Al Adels, as I've written a, f- a little bit over the years as well. Very cool, distinctive character in Bay Area sports history. Uh, your thoughts on him going into the Naismith Hall of Fame uh, on Friday? Yeah, well, a lot of it has to do with longevity, and that sounds kind of boring, but, I mean, this guy's been with the same organization since 1960. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Red Auerbach and Jerry West and these guys with associations with the team or Tommy Heinsohn. Nobody comes close to Adels, which is amazing because he's been a player. He's been a coach. He was a, a player coach at the same time. Right. Uh, he was an administrator. He helped run the club. He even had an ownership stake for a while, and then he became sort of an ambassador, but... He's always been, you know, this impeccably dressed man representing the team in the highest way. And, 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 you know, really as they review his career, he obviously wasn't Oscar Robertson or Jerry West. Uh, but he might have been the best defensive guard in the league. I mean, Casey Jones got all the publicity because he's with the Celtics. But when you hear people talk about Adels and how incredibly uncomfortable he made life for everybody, including Oscar um, – you know, that's something he could always hang his hat on. He was one of the toughest guys in the league. Thomas Sherry and Nate Thurman have raved about, you know, don't really don't make Al angry if, if you can well, help it. Anybody <laughs> nicknamed the destroyer, right? You yeah. Know, you want to avoid he, that. He, he, was a, he was a very precise uh, boxer. He was a finisher. And he didn't really start anything. But, boy, if something broke out, you wanted to get well away from him. And uh, he could score a little bit, too. He, did, he couldn't shoot real from the outside, but... Uh, he, he was great driving to the hoop, uh, f- putting up little floaters. He had a couple 30-point games I looked up in his career. And, of course, he had the 8-for-8 eight eight when Wilt got 100 and nobody remembered it. But Well, he always said we combined for 117, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, it all adds up to, you know, the Hall of Fame. I think I don't, can't imagine a single dissenter. Well, I mean, when you take the totality of his career in the NBA, as you said, and the various roles he filled with the Warriors, um, including sort of punctuated by the fact that he coached them to their – what had been their only title in their West Coast history up until this recent run. Um, and that 75 team obviously holds a, a very special place in Bay Area lore. What do you remember about him? Um, I mean, I was early in your career, I realized, but uh, I mean, he had a very big impact on that team winning that Oh, title. yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
uh, in the mid-70s, everybody thought they belonged to the Celtics with Havlicek and Dave Cowens and Jojo White, and they won it in 74 and, and 76. And it was a big shocker when they lost to Washington in the 75 Eastern Finals. And the Warriors had a tooth-and-nail battle with the Chicago Bulls with Sloan and Van Leer and Bob Love and Chet Walker. You know, just great stuff. And you, then you finally get this great confrontation. I remember working on the Chronicle desk at that time. I had really just started there. And uh, they, they had the, the two games here were transferred from Oakland to the Cow Palace right. because, believe it or not, the, they had booked the Ice Follies, which at that time was a very big deal. Apparently, they weren't expecting uh, the Warriors uh, no, to <laughs> And they couldn't get out of it. I mean, of all things, that they, they couldn't play in Oakland. Now they're going back to their roots in San Francisco. And I just remember on a personal note, they tried to decide between me and Larry Stooms to go out and join Art Spander and write the sidebar. And they took Larry. I was really <laughs> pissed. <laughs> I would have sent you, Jenks. <laughs> but I, 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 it was great fun following that team. And, you know, one thing Adels did, uh, his, his sense of democracy in, in running a team was was very unusual then and really now as well. I mean, he played 10, 11 guys. Guys, right, right to the end, and guys like Steve Bracy and Charles Dudley were getting minutes, you know, on that team, tenth and eleventh guys, and it, he would. It didn't, you know. Rick Barry talks about uh, being yanked out of Game Seven right. against Chicago, right? Because he was cold. He couldn't. He was missing everything in the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter starts, he's still not in there. He finally did get in and hit a few shots, but I mean, you, you, the Warriors were always coming at you, extremely fresh. You know, everybody was fresh and all over you and unbelievable energy. Charles Johnson and, and you know, Mullins and Barry and Derek Phil Dickey, Smith, Clifford right? Ray. Yeah, Phil Smith and Keith Wilkes. I mean, they had two phenomenal rookies. So it was really, really special. And I think it holds up over time. Well, people talk a lot about the, the sweep of the bullets in the finals. But as you point out, they beat an excellent Bulls team in the Western Conference Finals, 83-79 yeah. in Game 7. The reason I remember that, if, if I can have a personal aside, is I was only nine, not quite... 10 years old in Chicago, and an enormous Bulls fan. Yeah. Norman Van Leer, Jerry Sloan, Chet Walker, Bob Love. Too bad they had Bullwinkle at center. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, really, and Bobby Weiss coming off the bench. Yeah. I mean, it was a fabulous <laughs> team. Yeah. And the reason I remember that is, remember, this is, this is an era when the games weren't on TV, right? So yeah. game seven of the Western Conference Finals was starting at 9.30, 10 o'clock Chicago time. And I used to sneak a radio into my bed and listen, mm-hmm. and my dad caught, caught on to that. And so I couldn't do that because it was a school night probably. No, yeah. And I, the way I found out the score was I woke up the next morning, and my dad had taped a piece of paper to my bedroom door ah. that said, sorry, Warriors 83, Bulls 79. Oh, my goodness. It's just kind of funny in an era now where we find all the scores on our phone instantaneously. That's how I learned that they yeah. lost Game 7. You can see Orlando playing Detroit anytime, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it really was a fabulous series against a great Bulls team, and then that propelled them, obviously, to the four-game sweep, which I don't think Adels saw the last no. game. He got ejected, right? Well, in the, last, in the last game, they're down 3-0. They're getting killed by Barry, and, and they're trying to do anything. And Mike Reardon was more than willing to play the oh, bad right. guy. And he's elbowing Rick and, and pushing him around. He finally just, like, climbed on his back. <laughs> it was unbelievably brazen. Is that a and, fall? <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And Adels just said, well, you know, uh, he, he came out to basically kill Mike Reardon, and it's a good thing Wes Unseld, who was an enormous man. Yeah, no one's killing him. One of the few guys West. who could ever deal with Al Adels uh, got in between him, but it, it was going to be really bad. Because, but that, that's the beauty of Adels, and that's why the players loved him. I mean, he didn't do that. That was, that was definitely not his way. But it's interesting, with the title on the line, he felt it, it important enough that they were doing that to Barry. You know, if they both get kicked out, they lose Reardon and we lose Barry. Right. That's not a good trade. Right. 
And he just wasn't hearing of that. And he was, he was uh, you know, Joe Roberts coached the team the rest of the way. Yeah, Two African-American coaches, by the way, and KC on the other side also, which in those days was very unusual. Right. Just kind of a sad image of Adel's, the one championship they win, he's in the locker room sort of <laughs> pacing. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, this whole, his induction sparked a conversation earlier that you and I were having about other Warriors in the Hall of Fame. And obviously pretty distinguished list of Will Chamberlain, Rick Barry, Nate Thurman, Chris Mullen, Mitch Richmond, who obviously had a, a long stretch in Sacramento as well, but but started with the Warriors. Um, is that the the fair and full roster? Are there other players you think maybe deserve it? And what do you think about the current you know run and the Hamptons Five and who who eventually will be enshrined? I think when Richmond got in, it pr- really came down to Tim Hardaway, and Tim's been pretty vocal about not being in. I think he thinks a lot of it is has to do with he made some pretty strong comments. Uh, making it clear that he didn't like gay people at all right. and w- w- didn't want them to be any part of his life. Uh, and uh, that, was a, that was a big mistake, which he's later admitted to. Uh, you know, since then, he's definitely come around. He's done an awful lot of things for the lesbian and gay community. And, he's, you know, he's seen the light. He's seen what, what the real picture is. He grew up with a certain amount of ignorance to that and carried into his pro career. But, you know, as a player, you know, it's, a, it's a kind of 50-50 for me. I'm, I'm not sure I would vote for Tim. Uh, you know, for one thing, he, he was outshined on that team by, by Hardaway and, and Richmond, even Marcellonis at some, po- some points. Um, hell of a player, you know, almost invented the, the crossover. It was one of the first to do it. And uh, I, I just love – he'd always go into Madison Square Garden where you have to shine and just be phenomenal. No, he was a great, great player. But at the same time, I, I, I don't think he's an automatic. Right. Uh, in terms of the current, uh, current team, we were talking about this earlier, uh, is it possible that all the Hamptons five could go in? I, I think Curry's he's obviously going to go in. I think Clay's going to go in, too. He's, he, his, his numbers and, and achievements are going to be well-remembered. And Draymond Green is such an influential player uh, that I think he's got a really good chance. And Durant, that goes without saying. Uh, Iguodala is, is a little bit dicey. Uh, he's... Obviously, really, really influential. Comes up big in the playoffs. He's a leader, uh, but only just one all-star appearance. Uh, he's only really kind of been the main man on his team maybe once or twice with Philly. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset if he got in, but I don't think he will, at least not right away. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Those three, I think you're right, are automatics. Curry, Durant, and Clay, mm-hmm. And then Draymond sort of invites the discussion about, hey, it's about more than scoring here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that they're on this dynasty and a team that won three yeah, that five makes years a whole, yeah. makes a massive difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally wouldn't vote for Iguodala just because I don't think – I mean, he, he's instrumental in this dynasty and this run, but the Hall of Fame is supposed to be, in my mind, about the, the top of the top. And I'm not sure he reaches that level, but I also wouldn't be upset if he got in. I mean, it's it's understandable because he really did sort of complete mm-hmm. that starting lineup with, again, like Draymond, things that often go unappreciated in yeah, terms, in terms of defense and passing and, mm-hmm. and such. When you think about the fact that Bernard King waited years to get in, th- then you, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be so upset about Iguodala not making it. I mean, Bernard King was one of the greatest scorers the league has ever seen, very distinctive uh, absolutely unstoppable. Larry Bird was terrified of him, and he did it year after year, even after serious knee surgery. And he he waited a long time to get in. So the standards are pretty high. Yeah, and there's no, as we've learned from all the controversy about baseball, there's no perfect way to handle this, right? No, there really isn't. I mean, football has a a committee that meets the weekend of the Super Bowl. Baseball, as we all know, you know, Bruce and I are both voters, and that's become a, you know, almost a larger than life. Uh, 
process, uh, unfortunately, and very complicated by the steroid situation. So um, basketball seems to get it right most of the time. Yeah. And, and I think Iguodala is certainly uh, right on the edge there and probably will, uh, my guess is eventually would get in given the team success and, and I think I'm fine with that. Mm. And um, it's not over for him. You never know what he may yeah, have in store exactly, wherever he winds exactly. up. Um, and and th- this all leads Adel's uh, induction and his history as the Warriors coach sort of leads us to our, our last topic today and Steve Kerr. And, and he's you know faced predictable criticism, not criticism necessarily, but maybe skepticism of his role and impact on this Warriors dynasty given all the talent they've had. Um, but this year clearly will be a fresh challenge for, for Kerr as yeah. the coach, given Durant's departure, given Clay Thompson's injury, D'Angelo Russell now has to be integrated. Um, wh- how different will this year be, do you think, for Kerr? And how will he deal with the, <clears throat> the new dynamic uh, of this Warriors team? Yeah, well, right off the bat, for the first time since he took over the club, he's going to be without uh, missing two really key elements. One is defense. Yeah, uh, you know Clay is one of the best in the league. Durant, when he wanted to, was extremely good. Iguodala, uh, right now uh, they are really looking pretty weak defensively, especially if Willie Cauley Stein doesn't turn into a rim protector, which he hasn't really been. Uh, they have hope for Pascal, but I mean it's really Draymond's going to have more responsibility than he ever really needed or wanted, I think. And the other thing is leadership. You know, when you talk about Iguodala, Sean Livingston, David West. He's had guys on the team that would come right. off the bench and, and not just play great, but be really uh, strong presence in the locker room. Because, you know, a lot of, as, we, as we've learned, a lot of stuff happens in there and you need people to calm, calm it down. And you need people who have the uh, reputation and, uh, in the league to do that. You know, I don't think uh, Jordan Poole is going to step in and, <laughs> and, and, you know, help settle an argument between two guys. And so he's missing th- those two things right away. And he's also really has a lot of questions about his rotation. I mean, he doesn't really have a backup point guard. Um, uh, the small forward could be McKinney, right. you know, by default. Uh, awful lot of questions there. He, I think, you know, he wants to get more out of Looney, but he likes Looney to finish games, so maybe Colley Stein starts the games. Um, you know, Poole and Pascal could be good. They might not. And we'll see about D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this is a guy who I guess was a point guard in Brooklyn, but he's a score-first guy who likes to just pretty much dominate the ball, drive, throw up his floaters and three-pointers, and whether or not that meshes with Curry, I don't know. So uh, there's a lot of challenges for Curry. I, I, I got to think deep down he, he is going to enjoy this because, you know, he's got a reputation to just throw those guys out on the floor. Right. And I mean, they almost won it with the whole, whole team in the hospital last year. If Curry's shot gets in, they're still playing. So uh, I think he's, it's a big challenge for him, and I'm sure he's talked to Popovich about it while they're over in China. Well, and I think his contributions get overlooked or dismissed or diminished maybe because it hasn't been so much about strategy and mm-hmm. X's and O's. Although, to me, the, the style he brought to the Warriors with the ball movement is just a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. But to me, his impact is really managing personalities. And you mentioned leadership. And you couldn't have more dis- different personalities with Draymond sort of combustible <laughs> and, 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 and Steph, you know, leads by example but is not, you know, forceful at, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kerr has managed that really very, very well. And that's anybody who's dealt with him knows he's such a good people person. He's so smart. 
He's mm-hmm. got that unique ability to be the smartest person in the room and not make you feel that way, right? <laughs> exactly. And I think that translates to how he deals with the players. And they, and they respect him right off the bat because of his success as a player. Mm-hmm. And then they see how he manages people and how he treats people and how well he communicates. And that's, that's a big factor in the Warriors' success in my mind. Yeah, hol- holding a player's attention over a long period of time is a real challenge in the NBA. Absolutely. And if you're a guy like Stan Van Gundy, who kind of talks like this and he kind of goes crazy, or P.J. Carlismo, eventually you just don't want to hear that anymore, right. you know. Or, and, and Kerr, you know, he, he played for Phil Jackson and Popovich, two of the greatest ever. He has history with uh, Lute Olson, and he, he's been around so many great coaches. And he has that way of, of his voice always seems relevant. I'm sure at times, you know, everybody's going to get upset, but he has that way of keeping players' attention, which is really, really important, and especially this year, since they're kind of in the middle of the pack until further notice. It seems like one of his biggest challenges will be managing minutes, and you mentioned the rotation. And one thing he's done r- remarkably well is is pace his big players, you know, Steph and Clay and Duran and Draymond, and make sure they don't play 42 minutes in an early December game as much as they want to win because it's about being fresh for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had some luxury there because he knew they were going to be a one or two seed at, at worst. Um, this year that's going to be different. With, with Clay injured and, and Durant gone, it's going to be awfully tempting in December if they're 7-6 and six <laughs> and in a game they think they can win to play Curry and Draymond 40 minutes. But Kerr has always steadfastly stood against that given the, the long view, which is really smart and has obviously worked. This year, different dynamic. How do you think that plays Yeah, out? and it's going to be interesting because, you know, Curry and Draymond do not want this dynasty or whatever you want to call it to end. Right. And they've both spent their whole lives as underdogs. You know, Curry was the little little guy from a wealthy family, and Draymond was a chubby guy who couldn't play. And <laughs> they still carry that. Yeah. They've carried that their entire careers. And Clay is that way too. You know, Washington State, and who's was he going to get drafted by? Whoever you know, and uh, not not a great reputation, which of course he erased. But they they've especially Curry and Draymond are going to be the guys early on. And these guys don't they don't want to let up. They don't want to pull a Kawhi Leonard and sit out every other game. They want to they want to show that this team is still the Warriors, man, and, and they're gonna to get to the playoffs. We'll get Clay back and it's gonna be good. And and Kerr's gonna to have to balance that against not wearing them out early. And the other question to me that, that seems fascinating is the the whole notion of their offensive style. As we've yeah. talked about, they move the ball so well and, and ball movement, player movement, Steph and Clay are probably two of the best at moving without the ball and getting open. But D'Angelo Russell, and you kind of referenced it, he's a, he dominates the ball. He's, he's a very good player, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of pick and rolls, yeah. a lot of the kind of offense that Kerr has avoided. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me Kerr is going to have to adapt and will. I mean, he's, he's smart enough to know he can't play the same way all the time, I think, while not losing that identity. And that's going to be an interesting kind of balance to strike. Uh, what do you see there? Yeah, that really is. And, and, you know, it's up to Russell, I think, in some to some degree to, to buy into what Kerr wants him to do. I, I really think, you know, Russell's not, not a dummy. I mean, st- st- there's there's your D'Angelo Russell's and your Kemba Walker's, but then there's Steph Curry. I mean, this guy is, he, he's the man. Everybody knows that in the league. And he's, he's going to be the guy, if anybody's going to dominate the ball or take the big shots, it's going to be him. And it's going to be Clay when he comes back. And I just think Russell has to show... Uh, his ability while while not trying to you know b- do too much and dominate the ball because that just that just isn't going to work and uh, you know it, it, with the with the so-called Hamptons five when they were all in flow you had five guys thinking the same way all looking for the extra pass 
you know, the, the, the quick lob pass when you weren't expecting it for the dunk and just beautiful basketball. And a lot of that's gone missing. Uh, you know, and they had good passing from the center position, whether it was Draymond or Bogut or Zaza. You know, they had guys who uh, who, who could function in that in that offense. And I don't know if Willie Cauley Stein is that guy. I mean, they you know they he's they soured on him in Sacramento, and but he's got something to prove too. But just really all over the floor, there's things that you look at that could be potholes. Well, it seems like a lot a lot really falls on Draymond. I mean, you mentioned yeah. defensively, but I mean he's the best passer really on yeah. his team right now, and, mm-hmm. and one of the few passers. Mm-hmm. Steph's good, but Steph's erratic shooting. Well, he's a shooter. I mean, that's yeah. what he should be doing. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, Jenks, thanks very much for joining us on uh, on this edition of Warriors Off Court. Appreciate the input. And, Always. Uh, and we'll be back. Thanks for listening uh, to Warriors Off Court, and we'll be back next week. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.